This is amazing stuff. I'm going to record so that I can kill two birds with one. Welcome to the DNA of creation. I'm your host, Rabbi Gavriel Haran. And we're going to take a journey, journey, a deep dive into the weekly Torah portion, Parsha's bow. And for those of you who know a numerical value, bow means come. Come to Paro. God tells Moses to come to Paro. And bow is numerical value. Base is two. Aleph is one. Numerical value of three. Because in this week's partial, we have the last three plagues. Does anyone know the ten plagues? I don't want to take a guess. Do you know the ten? Sorry, did you ask, does anyone know all the ten? Yeah, anyone want to try and guess all ten? We got locusts. <laughs> That's the first uh, one in this week's Parsha is locusts. This week we got uh, locusts. Firstborn die. That's, that's the last that's like one. What? In between locusts uh, and the firstborn. Darkness. Uh, the plague of darkness. darkness yeah. Three days of darkness. And <clears throat> leading up to this one, we have in last week's Parsha, blood. We have frogs. We have lice. We have wild animals, <coughs> plague on the animals, boils, and hail, borrowed. So why are the Rabbi, plagues divided into Rabbi, seven and three? Yes, Daniel. Um, I have a question. Were these plagues happening only in Egypt or they were happening everywhere? Only in Egypt. Okay. But not to the Jewish people, right? No, not to the Jewish people, except for the plague of darkness, which also affected the Jewish people, according to, I believe, uh, the main opinion in the Talmud, four-fifths of the Jewish people died in the plague of darkness. Four-fifths. So now... Why are the plagues broken up into seven and three? What's the significance of the number 10 in Judaism? So does anyone want to take a guess the significance of the number 10? Well, one is uh, like unity, right? And 10 is just the plural of that. that. Great. That's what the Maharal says. 10 is a number of unity. But more specifically, what's the significance of number 10 in Kabbalah? What's the significance of the number 10 in, complete. in Judaism? Right. What did someone say? So we've touched on them before in the past. But the world, according to the Torah, was created with ten sayings. God said, let there be light. Ten times that God spoke. We've touched on this before. We'll touch on it again tonight. And those ten sayings also correspond to something called the ten spheros, which are ten spiritual emanations that God created, ten energies, the, literally the DNA of creation. This podcast is that God created ten spiritual energies which which the universe is made. It's literally the DNA of reality. And that, that not, breaks down into number ten. Three intellectual uh, energies, so to speak, the mind of God, and seven 
six emotions uh, or something like that. And, uh, and then the last one is the realm of actuality. And these exist within each and every one of us. They exist in every interaction in the world, in different permutations. It's very, very deep stuff. And not only do we have 10 sayings that the world has created, 10 spheros, 10 plagues, but in the next two weeks, the Jewish people will arrive at Mount Sinai and receive what? The 10 commandments. Avraham, Avinu, Abraham went through 10 challenges in his life. The number 10 is all over the Torah. So in this week's Parsha, we, Paro gets hit with two more plagues. The plague of locusts and the plague of darkness. And then suddenly there's a break before the last and final plague. It's completely random, almost like a commercial break, okay? Suddenly, in the middle of the last 10 plagues, the last one's coming up, and God says to Moses, Moses, this month's for you. It's almost like a Budweiser commercial. This Bud's for you. Moses, the Jewish people get the very first commandment. The very first commandment that the Jewish people receive. Does anyone want to take a guess what that very first commandment is? There shall be no other God before me. I am your God. That's the first of the ten. Ten commandments. But before the ten commandments, when we're still in Egypt, we received our very first mitzvah. Is it related to the moon? Exactly. This month, it should be the first month of the year for you. The month of Nisan and the sanctification of the moon. That when you see the new moon, you have to make a special blessing and count months. The month of Nisan. And along with that comes the commandment of the Passover lamb. That we should take a, a, a lamb which was worshipped by the Egyptians and slaughter it. And we should celebrate the Passover holiday before it even happened. Before we got out of Egypt, we were already commanded to bake matzah and to eat this special sacrifice and to do this whole ritual with putting blood on the doorpost so that the, the, the angel of death doesn't come into our home. And then only after that comes the plague of the firstborn and the Jewish people are freed from Egypt. So the question that I want to know is why is there this break between the ninth plague and the tenth plague with this mitzvah of counting the moon, of sanctifying the moon? Additionally, something fantastic, Rashi, the famous commentary on the Torah, the very first Rashi in the entire Torah, says that the Torah should not have started from in the beginning. Beratius. Remember we talked about the ten sayings in which God created the world? So the very first of those sayings is Beratius, in the beginning. Even though God didn't say, let there be, there was no world yet. But that saying, Beratius, the beginning, was the first speech of God. The beginning of the Big Bang, the beginning of reality, the beginning of other, the beginning of world without God, or world in addition to God. 
Before Bereshis, there was nothing but God. Comes Bereshis, the first word of the Torah, the first letter of the Torah, the letter base, which means multiplicity, duality, the number two, was the beginning of time, space, and matter. But Rashi, on the very first word of the Torah, says the Torah should not have begun with Bereshis. You know where the Torah should have begun? This week's Parsha, with the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people, HaChodesh HaZelechem, the month, this month, is for you. Accounting, the mitzvah of counting the months. Because the Torah should have begun with our first mitzvah. So says Rashi, why did the Torah start with the beginning of the world? Why did the Torah start with the forefathers and all the stories that brought us to Egypt? Says Rashi, because God wanted to show us his power to show us that he created the world. He said, says Rashi, the first Rashi, listen, this is prophecy. If you don't believe in prophecy, you're going to believe in it right now. Rashi writing a thousand years ago says, someday the nations of the world are going to say, you Jews, you stole the land of Israel. It doesn't belong to you. Says Rashi, the Torah begins within the beginning because God wants to show the world, I created the world. I can give it to whoever I want. That's what Rashi says. So now, but for all intents and purposes, this should be the beginning of the Torah. That's what Rashi tells us. Why? Why is this the first mitzvah of the Torah? Who cares? Counting the new moon? Is it exciting? What's the big deal? Why is that the quintessential mitzvah given to the Jewish people? So in Egypt... What did they worship in Egypt? What was the gods of Egypt? They worshipped cats. They worshipped cats, that's true. They also worshipped sheep. In fact, their main god was the sheep. That's why we were commanded to slaughter the lamb. And the sheep, according to the zodiac, represents a docile animal, an animal that follows. A herd animal, which represents nature. The Egyptians worshipped the sun, the world of nature. The sun has to do with the constancy of time. It just continues. And of course, seasons, there are seasonal changes, but the sun is a constant of our everyday life. Sunrise, sunset. The moon, on the other hand, the word for moon in Hebrew is chodesh, which means newness. Because the moon is constantly changing. It's very different than the sun. The sun takes time to change. The sun represents, the word shana in Hebrew represents, means repetition, continues. The word for the moon is something that's constantly becoming new. So the idea of the new moon is connecting to the power of newness, the power of renewal, the power of rejuvenation. That's what the moon represents. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, Kohelis, Ein chadash tachas hashemesh, there's nothing new under the sun. And that's the truth. In the world of nature, you know what happens in nature? From the moment you're born, what's happening to you from the very moment you're born? according to nature. Constantly changing, evolving. 
Evolving towards what? Death. 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 In the world of nature, everything is just hurtling towards death. There's nothing new under the sun. But above the sun, everything is new. That's the power of spirituality. To jump beyond the world of nature. Beyond the world where yesterday defines my tomorrow. In the world of nature, you exist because you existed yesterday and you're going to exist tomorrow. In the world of spirituality, you are undefined. You can change in a second. You can recreate reality. All you have to do is choose it. All you have to do is want to change. That's the idea of newness. That's the idea of the moon. Every moment, God is recreating reality. Every single moment, you can tap into the power of creation and recreate yourself. The Jewish people as slaves, a slave is not a master over themselves. They're not a master over their time. They don't have the ability to make their own choices. The first step in freeing the Jewish people was giving us the key to creation, the key to time, the key to taking control over your own life, the key to change. So, according to the Kabbalists, the ten plagues actually were redoing the fabric of creation of the earth backwards. The very first plague is the plague of blood, corresponds to the tenth of the things that God created, Adam. Adam, which has the word Dom, blood, inside him. Adam is blood with Aleph, the letter Aleph, spirituality. And it goes through backwards. God was literally unraveling the world to start over again. So in this week's partial, we have the last three of the sayings of creation. So I don't have braces in front of me. Let there be light. Uh... I can't remember how the third one fits in, but <laughs> the plague of darkness corresponds to the second saying of creation, which was, let there be light. Let there be light corresponds to the plague of darkness, the absence of light. And then the plague of the death of the firstborn the Ramban, famous Nachmanides, medieval commentary, says that every time we have a mitzvah of the firstborn, firstborn son, shearing of the first crop, the first fruits, um, there's so many mitzvahs of firsts correspond to the first energy of creation, the first sphere, which is called Chachma, which is God's supernal wisdom, the first spark of mind, the insight of God, the desire of God to create a world which corresponds to Bereshus in the beginning, that first saying with which God created the world, the universe, and everything in it. So between darkness and in the beginning, there's a commercial break. The commercial break is that God says, I created the world originally. 
Now I'm going to begin again with the Jewish people as my partner, and I'm giving you the power of creation. I'm giving you the keys to set the engine into action, the power of sanctification of the new moon, the power of newness, the power of time. He teaches us how to literally count time with our mitzvahs. This is the most incredible mitzvah in the Torah because we, the Jewish people, determine now when the holidays fall out. We determine when Passover is. We determine when Rosh Hashanah is. We determine when Yom Kippur is. All based on the sighting of the moon. It's not a fixed calendar. We do have a fixed calendar nowadays, but originally, according to the Torah, you can only determine the holidays based on the sighting of the moon by two witnesses in Jerusalem who come and declare in front of the high court. Time is now our thing. We're partners with God in creating the world. And now, after God gives us that those keys, then and only then can he bring about the last of the ten plagues and literally begin a new creation, a new world order that begins with the Ten Commandments. Now it's a moral reality. It's not a natural world that was created by the sun and the cycles of nature. That happened long before. This is a new creation with the Ten Commandments, which is a partnership between God and human beings in revealing spiritual reality, supernatural morality to the world. And that's literally what's about to happen. And you'll notice a very interesting thing. When we make Kiddush Friday night, we say, in almost every mitzvah we do, we say, Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim. This is, this is a commemoration of the exodus from Egypt because the mitzvahs themselves are testimony to the fact that God runs the world. That's literally what we're doing. Every time we're doing a mitzvah, we're saying, God is real. He's part of my life. And he's active in the world. That's what mitzvahs literally are. And Friday night, we say that we're celebrating. What are we celebrating on Shabbos? Does anybody know? Um, like, um, um, the, um, um, the day that God rested from creation. Okay, so we're celebrating creation of the world, the physical world. Yeah, 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 yeah. The seven days, the the um, the planet, the earth. Which we actually say in Kiddush, we say Zecher Masa Bereshis. It's a remembrance of the creation of Bereshis, of reality, of 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 the Big Bang, of the creation of the universe. But we also say Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim. It's also a memory of the coming out of Egypt, because that is the second creation of the world. That's the one where the Jewish people are now entitled with the mission of helping to reveal God in the world through the spiritual creation. The Talmud says that anyone who says the words of Kiddush becomes a partner with God in creating the world. And that's, I think, what Rashi is telling us. The Torah should have begun here because this is the second creation story. And not only that, so why did God start with Bereshis? Why did God start at the beginning of the Torah? Says Rashi, Koyach Masav Higid La'amo. 
that God gave over the power of his actions to his people. He literally showed us what it means to create a universe and says, you can do it too. You also can create universes. You can create yourself. At any moment, you can tap into the power of creation and change your life and change the world. We literally have the ability to create reality. And that, my friends, is the message of the Ten Command, the Ten Plagues, is that God is active in our life. We don't see it on a regular basis, but I'll tell you right now, having just come out of the hospital and gone through what I went through, every I want you guys to hear that and internalize it. Life is such a gift. We take it for granted. The greatest enemy of gratitude is normalcy. When we think that things are just the way they are, we get used to it, we get complacent, it kills our gratitude. But when we realize that life is a gift, that every moment is such an amazing opportunity, then you can open up your eyes with wonderment and, and truly be thankful for every I want to bless all of us that we should tap into the power of newness, that every day can be a new beginning. Don't think because you were here yesterday that you're going to be here tomorrow. And if you're here tomorrow, be thankful because we don't have to be here. And just because you did something some way yesterday doesn't mean you have to do it the same way tomorrow. Re-examine. Start over fresh. You can ch change your habits. You can change your negative patterns, negative behaviors, negative relationships. Thoughts, actions, speech. We have the ability to transform ourselves one step at a time. Doesn't happen overnight, but the spark and the desire to change, that's instantaneous. And literally, changes can come in a split second. They don't usually last. The ones that last take habituation, build new habits, but that's all in our hands. Life, be happy to be alive. As it says, uh, I just for those of you who haven't listened to my podcast I just made, it's on Facebook Live also, but the recording wasn't so good, uh, called The Secret of, of Breath, um, how to, uh, Freedom from COVID and Freedom from Anxiety. It's the lessons I learned from being in the hospital, and uh, please listen to it and share it. But uh, the, the lesson that I want to conclude with is it says in Psalms, the very last psalm written line says, Call Neshama to Halilka. Every soul should praise God. And the Talmud says the word soul, Neshama, is related to the word Neshima, which means breath. So the Talmud says every breath should praise God. Every single breath you take, say thank you. Because you're so lucky to be able to breathe. We don't we take it for granted. I'm telling you, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't walk to the bathroom five feet away. We have to be thankful. We can't take for granted the gifts that we have. Every breath should say thank you. And as my Rebbe often says, every moment of your life should say, be I love you. 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 To the people in your life, to the air, to the trees, to your house, to your clothes, to God. I love you. I love you. I love you. Imagine living a life like that. Okay. Comments.